The Fujicast is an independent loading zone production. My grandma used to have lots of sayings. Things like, can't, never, could, and don't look a gift horse in the mouth. And right now, up to the end of July, if she was a friend of the Fujicast, like you are, she'd have been bowled over to receive 10% off all workshops, mentoring and presets, and actually anything else available on kevinmullinsworkshops.co.uk, which makes me think he might have sneaked in Get the Dog for Sale. Just use the word Fujicast upon checkout and enjoy 10% off at kevinmullinsworkshops.co.uk. And Git, I think you're safe, really. Photography Daily. If you're wondering what to listen to for the rest of the week after this Fujicast edition and you're still hungry for more, then be sure to visit my new podcast, Photography Daily, which drops Monday to Friday at 9am UK time, 4am Eastern. Monday to Thursday, inspiring photographers share their stories. Do I really want to risk my life for getting my stuff printed? If the images are not beautifully composed, people will just want to turn away from the images. But I remember the assignment because it was a huge auditorium and there were hundreds and hundreds of people in the room and all I had was a 35 millimeter. And the Friday photo walk is a longer outing with the show's mailbag as we go on assignment together. Photography Daily, available on all your favorite podcast apps and at photographydaily.show. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the show. Well, look who's popped into the studio. <laughs> Does it feel a bit weird? Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, if you, if you, in the cupboard behind you, there might be a tape measure. Do you want to have a, do you want to, I mean, we can always measure out. So I'm exactly two metres long. So I just <laughs> oh, yeah. figure I'm falling distance away from it. You like to believe you're two metres long. The Fuji cast. We all know what the truth is. Well, Kev, it's delight, delightful, absolutely delightful to have you back in the studio after what is it exactly three months now or or nearly three months how, how long is it march wasn't it 12th of march so yeah oh, it is it's three months yeah. yeah i'm not sure if that was the last time i was here but that's when we were locked down so I'm, i think it is the last time you were here mm. you 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 came you went you never came back again <laughs> and then you installed yourself at home with a beer yeah so there's no beer today i'm afraid kev during the, this particular show it's a completely Sadly. sober event Anyway, welcome uh, to the Fujicast Weekly. You and your questions from, from our electronic mailbag. Real mixed bag too. Tech, non-tech, somewhere you share what you've been up to. Stories of your photo life. Uh, and all sorts of things coming back today, including uh, your disaster stories. If you've emailed before, fantastic. You are officially what we now know as a friend of the show. If you've never emailed before, now is the time to earn your first-time writer badge by sending to click at fujicast.co.uk. Welcome aboard those who don't shoot Fuji. You're very welcome here. Um, later on, uh, we're going to take you back in the club indulgence. Got lot, lots of um, really lovely comments to, uh, to read out that you've been leaving in the reviews. Um, there's Kev's Book of the Week. What book have we got today? I have a book that you gave me, actually. Oh, you gifted yeah, it to I, me. I recognise that one. Martha Cooper. Yeah. St- street play. Street play. And uh, at the end of the show, we'll have another one of your photo disasters. Um, and today on the show, we hear from Helen Bartlett, who's the Canon ambassador. Uh, we'll learn all about uh, Helen's approach to, to portrait work, and uh, in particular, her love of black and white. Kev's brought his own coffee. Yeah. <laughs> you were the... We might be contaminated. Although I have to go and... I've got to go and get my car service today because it's... That's never going to last you all day. Uh, well, I don't know. It's one of those those things that... No, it's not a TARDIS, Kev. It's a flask. Oh, I see. In terms of the content. Yeah, but it's still boiling hot. And I, yeah. I put it in there an hour ago 
It's still impossible to drink. So um, it's... Uh, well, it's never going to last you a whole day. Well, it'll last me a while. But I, I've got to go and get my car service. So I, I thought I'll, uh, I, I needed to empty the car yesterday of all mm. things that don't need to be in the service. And uh, right. one of the things was my coffee cup. So <laughs> you haven't got your coffee cup? I haven't got cup. my coffee cup. So I'm oh, using Rosa's, Rosa's sports flask. Uh, <laughs> what did you know? You're, you're about to meet a new um, social issue um, that goes along with social distancing when you go to have your car service today after the show. Do you know what that is? No. You are not going to find a loo that is open. Oh. And you've got to last from now till possibly 5pm, 6pm tonight. I live in the countryside. I'm, I'm yeah, very not, much used to it. You're going to be in Swindon. You can't just... Yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> now, if, if you were Git, obviously, you could find yourself a, a nice little lamppost and everything okay. will be sorted. I gave him a bath yesterday. <laughs> what came he out of He was him? not happy. Was he not? No. Oh, dear. No, he was not happy. Oh. But no, he he smells much better. a little less worse. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know, I think the three months have gone past, you and, you and Git the dog, and if you're new to the show, you won't know about Git the dog. He's, he's, um, he's a mongrel, isn't he? No, 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 he's a thoroughbred. No, he's not. Yeah, he is. He's a Heinz 57, if ever I saw one. He's not. He's Kennel Club registered. Is he? Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's proper, proper oh, high-end. Blimey. Yeah. yeah, I'm Breezy. We've got all that Well, I believe that of Breezy, yeah, but I, I thought, I thought, um, I thought Git had sort of got many parents and many ports. He's from the loins of a champion. <laughs> he really just doesn't look like it. <laughs> yeah, certainly doesn't uh, smell like it. No, well, he does now. Mm. I think as the three months have gone on, I think you've formed a real bond with Git. I think he's become he's become you know Kev's dog. I haven't really had much choice because when I sit in my room, he sits on the sofa behind me and literally taps me on the shoulder. He does. He seriously <laughs> taps me on the shoulder with his paws uh-huh. and says, "Give me some love uh-huh. or food." Have you have you found a bond with him? No, he's all right. Yeah. Right um, to your questions. We noticed, by the way, over the last couple of months, three months, that I mean, we power through questions, hundreds of questions. So as as what feels like the the new the new era begins, please don't uh, forget to keep writing in because they are the lifeblood of the show. Um, click at fujicast.co.uk. Do you want to go with the first? Okay. So I have a question from uh, Johan Borhead. Hi lads, thanks for a truly great podcast. It's the only one that I really follow passionately. Yada 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 yada. Also, thanks for creating the community on Facebook where everyone can connect. Yada 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 yada. Didn't do that many. Yeah, I did. I've, I did the yadas in the first paragraph, and then he actually did them in the second paragraph. Oh, okay. To the question: If they let you take the reins of Fuji, oh, that's a good question, isn't it? If they let you take the reins of Fujifilm for one day, what would be the first thing that you would change? Would it be the colour of the X-Pro3, add a new film simulation, change the focal length on the X100V? Well, that's a really interesting question. Yeah. Funny enough, I was I, I did a, a live webinar for them last Wednesday or Thursday or something, can't remember. Right. And and the only way it could work was um, I had to take, they had to give me admin rights to the Fujifilm oh, had, Facebook yeah. group, yeah, you were, Facebook page. You were in control of Fujifilm's Facebook. <laughs> and, uh, and, I, and I said to them at the end of it, I said, no, um, no you Best take me off. Don't forget to take me <laughs> off because I'm about to have a beer. <laughs> are, you st- are you still on it? No, 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 no. They they whipped me off. Um, <laughs> oh, shame. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's really interesting because oh, bless them. I mean, I didn't read any of the messages, but there was uh, they've got like 600 messages popping up one after the other Good from heaven. customers and stuff yeah. like that. And I, yeah. I think it's uh, Laura and Elle and Andreas and stuff like that. Film what, that, I, that just, deal with it all. I haven't seen the whole thing yet. I've I've, I've got that to come. Um, anyway, that aside. So, what would you do? I, I the first thing I would do purely self in, indulgence here is I would ask for a new XH, and I, I'd want it uh, the video model with the XLRs in it, 
That's the first thing I get them all doing. Uh, do you know, different colours. I'm quite happy with the colours the cameras are. A lewd, lewd pink one or something. Um, ah, what else? I, 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 that's the only thing. I, I'm pretty happy with everything, really. They, they did really? do a... Um, in the UK. It was only done in the UK. It was in... Um, I think it was John Lewis Partnership or something. Was mm. They had the X-Pro1 and you could have it skinned. Oh, and I yeah, sent mine yeah. off and had mine... Yeah. Before my vegan days, I had a leather skin put on mine, black leather. Oh, you could have a faux leather one. Now, now you could, yeah. yeah. They don't do it any longer, but they you you could do... Damien Lovegrove had a um, bright yellow one, I think, and Dave P- Kai Piper had a pink one and stuff like that. It looked pretty cool. <laughs> uh, and it came it came back in this specialised box and everything. I'm sure they're probably quite collectors. There used to be an, an album out, an Aerosmith album out, that they had... Um, I, I think it wasn't real hide. But it was done in Frisian colours, like it was a little cow. Okay. I would imagine an XH little Frisian. <laughs> if I was, if I had the reins of Fujifilm for the day, what would I do? Um, first thing I would do is send thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of pounds to all the ambassadors. <laughs> um, yeah, I know I'm terrible. Um, terrible cam- camera wise, is there a camera you'd, you'd choose? Uh, yeah, I would. I would. I would be like, let's do an X eighty. Let's do an X eighty. Right, okay, X eighty. Yeah, I, th- I feel like they've done as good as they possibly can with everything else. But the X eighty, yeah, I'd like that. I'd also. There's a couple of technical type things I would like. For example, um, I would like when they do the bracketing, film simulation bracketing, things like that. There's, you know, I'd like it to not record a RAW and a JPEG for every time. Right. Um, I would. I would really like for them to give us a little bit more control over the editing, in-camera editing, right. uh, a little bit. Now we've got um, touchscreens and all that. They've done a lot better. You know, you've yeah. got a, you've got a pullable S-curve and all that kind of stuff now. Um, I'd also be really keen on, on them to, to kind of go down the route of uh, implementing the 5G stuff. And, you know, I, I dream of the day where I can go to a wedding, press the button, and it just pings up to the cloud, and by the time I get home, it's edited. It's still going to, yeah. <laughs> I keep going on about that. That's, that's uh, by the way, that's a uh, trademark Kevin Mullins idea. That would be a very slow process, though, wouldn't Not it? Not with 5G, it wouldn't Really? It? No. 5G is, like, faster than, than lightning, isn't it? Is it? Or will be, when we get it. Wow. Yeah. And you'll probably get it first here, because you Well, you're, we are in the town of Vodafone. This yeah. Is, this is their, their HQ in Europe. Yeah, exactly. So, I would imagine you, you, you know, they'll, they'll test it here or something, mm. but... Um, yeah, no, it's going to be super fast. So you're going to be able to watch, well, you wouldn't you download wouldn't. movies and stuff, and watch them yeah. as you do on broadband. It's going to be ridiculously fast. Actually, but because of the broadband I have, I can stick up a wedding with raw files, and usually about two and a half hours. Yeah. So you could effectively do that at your wedding. Yeah, but it's save them. I know you want them edited as well. Press but, the button. Yeah. The file gets sucked off your memory card and up to the five G. Right. Um, it goes into a Dropbox folder or something where there's a little script that I'm going to write that's going to run an action on <laughs> Photoshop. It's going to dump it into a Lightroom yeah. catalogue. I'm going to get home. And it's all done. And it's done. Darling, wedding's done. Let's just have a drink. Yeah. Gin and tonic. Uh, we'll have three. I'm not even joking. I can I can visualise the day in a not too very distant future, if God. cameras implement this, right. where you could hang around for half an hour after the wedding and right. give them their pictures. Uh, wow. As long as you're not... And I mean... You've got to be, you know, this is going to work in a documentary approach and mm. the exposures have got to be pretty accurate and everything. But, yeah. well, you know, if you're not into moving people's heads and putting fake smiles on people's faces and stuff, then then why not? Boom. Yeah. Bob's your uncle. Job's done. 
Well, there we go. So uh, that, that's that done and day. We, we've solved all the issues of the company. Yep, yeah, all done. Tick that one off, done. Um, Jonathan Crilly uh, wrote in a number of questions, which I think will take us probably <laughs> up to the interview. Um, he was We were still doing the dailies when he wrote these in, but um, uh, wh- one of them is, uh, what, what does Kev have against the X-H1? It weighs only slightly more than an X-T4, 11%, 66 grams, and is only about half a, um, half a centimetre wider and taller, has a better grip, top plate, LCD. What, what's, what's Kev's problem with What's What's his beef with it? We shouldn't really mention beef, should we not? With it? Um, I, don't, I don't have a problem. I don't know why people think I've got a problem with it. I just don't have it. I don't, mm. Just because I don't have well, it doesn't mean I don't have, like it. I think in the past you have said it's not, not your favourite camera. Uh, well, no, because I've never had it. So uh, uh, what I've said in the past is it's not a camera that I would want. Right. So it's not... Is, is, it si- is it the size? Uh, yeah, it's it's too big and it's more video centric than I needed for yeah. a stills camera. Um, I, I never particularly liked that very fast trigger button. Mm. Um, I didn't like the ergonomics of it particularly, but it was per- it's perfect for the people that want basically wanted the DSLR mm. style camera in a mirrorless form. So that's fine mm. for those people. But um, for me, no, I just and, so you're, you're you know com- just because I didn't. Don't buy it. Doesn't mean I don't like it. <laughs> right. So you heard this first, then, Jonathan. Uh, Kev likes the XH1. It's not in love with it, but like Git, you never know. One day, <laughs> when taking portraits, how do you go about setting your sitters at ease? Do you have a set routine to warm people up? And what do you do when you're working with limited time to get the image? Well, you don't do a lot of portraits, do you? But but you do do. I mean, the whole idea of having the GFX was to do a few more portraits. You did the. The, the the doorstep portraits mm. with the GFX and and then latterly with the X100V. What, what do you what do you do? What do you say to them? I just say stand there and stand look at me. <laughs> That's it. You know the yeah. doorstep stuff wasn't really portraits. It was you know it's as natural as it could be. But they were just looking at me. Um, yeah, I'm not the person to answer. I always think uh, interview no. interview. Well, it's, it's kind of like well, you want to interview them like like they're on live television or something. But interview them, have a chat with them, um, ask them questions about what they do. People love talking about themselves. Some mm. people more than others, obviously. Mm. But it's a really good way um, to to um, to to break the ice. Uh, we've talked about him so many times. I know. Um, I, I feel almost like we're on repeat with this. But Platon does that extraordinarily well, doesn't he? Mm. He just sits there and have a, has a conversation with them. And I, I know that he's assistant is able just to pick up a camera and, yeah. and, and pass it to him already loaded ready to go but he essentially doesn't break eye line with them does he no and that's that's the you know that's that's the skill isn't it of that particular photographer you don't need to be the person that kind of preps the cameras yeah. you're the person who's making the picture yeah and that's done by interactivity but you i mean the same way when i interview people for the for the podcast then um i i write down a list of questions i may not use them all but they're always there because I think, well, the last thing I want is for this person to think that I've not shown any interest in them, uh, what they do or their company. or So have those questions at hand so you can ask them. And you can do the same thing when you've got, OK, you probably won't want to have a list of A4 list of questions in your hand but, because it won't, won't look that natural. Mm. But do some, do some research on the, on, the, on the people if you have time. Uh, before you meet them or or have a list of questions mm-hmm. have a list of questions that you've thought of before that you can ask almost anybody and and memorize that list so yeah. you don't have to have 50 or 100 have 20 pictures and make it uh, na- 20 natural. questions don't don't just pull out a 20, piece of paper yeah. and say uh <laughs> yeah. okay yeah. so hello joan yeah. um it yeah. says here that you <laughs> yeah what's your favorite television program no not that kind of stuff um, I told you Jonathan had a list here. What other photography subjects do you photograph to help your wedding technique, i.e. 
architecture to help with structure, sports to help with fast-moving subjects. I'm not aware that I personally do any uh, photograph anything to help with my wedding technique. No. No, me neither, really. I mean, street photography, but that's, you know, that that is a, that's, that's observing people, so yeah. I suppose it helps in that respect. But you but, never but, did it because you wanted to help your weddings, did you? Mm, no. Or did you? I, I suppose in a way I did, because it, it gives you a little bit more confidence. It allows you, certainly I've learned things by observing people in the streets. Yeah. And that then I can that does that can transfer to to the way that I shoot weddings, yeah. but not specifically, not from a technical point of view, I suppose. Um, you know, I see a lot of these kind of questions are are kind of crossovers between like the the technical or the the theoretical elements of of wedding photography and stuff. And and actually, I think I quite like it when Don McCullen says, you know, he's he's a photographer. He's not a conflict photographer. He's not mm. a landscape photographer. Mm. He's a photographer. And I feel like more of us should probably take that rather than pigeonhole ourselves or worse, pigeonhole other people into styles and just think, actually, I'm a photographer and a photographer is a person who takes pictures and or makes pictures rather than takes them. Because actually, I firmly believe also that you can be a photographer. You don't have to press the button. You can be the person that makes the picture. How do you mean by that? Well, you know, you can you don't. I could talk to you. I could set up the picture. I can yeah. make you relaxed. I can going back to the question just now from uh, Jonathan about the um, portraits, and anybody anybody can understand aperture shutter speeds, mm. ISO, and so actually the the function of pressing the button is only the uh, the, the the bit that exposes the picture and writes it to the card or the, mm. the frame. Everything else is the most important thing. So when we're shooting weddings, it's what we're seeing that's the most important thing not the ability to press the button on a camera. Zach Arias did that in a YouTube film, didn't he? Did you see that one he was talking about um, people were questioning whether it was possible during lockdown to make portraits of other people when you weren't actually next to them? So in other words, you were directing them You were directing them more than actually taking the photograph or making... You, mm. know, you weren't physically pressing the button. Mm-hmm. They were. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, Tim Dunk in the UK did exactly the same thing. He, he His stuff went pretty viral. Mm. With it. He was doing... Uh, FaceTime portraits. That's right. And yeah, uh, yeah he's 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 flung with that and and yeah. got some. I suppose it's all kind of dying out for him now. But he got some big hitters involved in that. Um, yeah, I don't believe that. Like the, I, this idea of photographer in, in a technical essence is something that I don't really subscribe to. Yeah. And I say to my clients, look, I anybody can press that button. It's what what I see in the viewfinder is what you're paying mm-hmm. me for, and it's good job that what I see is different to what Neil might see or what somebody else, Jonathan, might see or Tim Dunkel. I, I noticed actually in, in your new website, shiny new uh, Kev website, that um, that you were talking, you're talking a lot more about the experience, which I, I actually think is the way um, forward for a lot, a lot of photographers now will be thinking, oh, you know, what are we going to do now? So many people are going to be doing photography as a kind of a, uh, as their as their hustle. I hate, I, I, I'm not sure. No, I don't hate that word. I'm, I feel uncomfortable about that word sometimes because it doesn't sound so professional. Um, but actually, our hustle, if you like, coming back is going to be the fact that we have the experience. And, and I noticed that your website is now that's that's what it allies itself to in terms of the why why should you have a mullins yeah exactly it's more about me and my uh, my vision i think yeah. rather than just a whole load of content and yeah. loads of pictures and stuff there's yeah. a lot more to that you're right there's going to be a lot more people doing side weddings a lot more full-time wedding photographers 
going back into full-time jobs yeah. and then doing weddings on the side. So they, they then become the, and again, a term I hate, the weekend warriors. But, you know, at the end of the day, we're, I'm building my own website. You're building your own website. Mm. Uh, we we are the weekend warriors of the website builders. You know, we're all there. <laughs> That's true, yeah. We're, we're, all, doing, yeah. we're all doing stuff on the side. Yeah. We're all hustling. Yeah. So, you know, you can't blame one person for doing something, um, although it will be, will be very challenging. Um, but, yeah, I think that... Anybody can. I honestly believe anybody can be a photographer. Literally anybody. He's got two more. Jonathan has. Um, how do you ensure your photography doesn't stand still? For example, would you attend a photography course or submit your images to competition to get it critiqued by others? I would actually um, happily do that. I, I've I've not done that too much. I'd, I'd feel confident doing that. Um, I don't mean confident as in I think they're all going to be. Oh, that's marvelous. I mean as in I think I could take the criticism. Yeah. I think that would be important. And in, in terms of ensuring your photography doesn't stand still, I am acutely aware, and I think this uh, this period of three months not actually making pictures at weddings has, has proved to me I, I need to get out and do more. So that's how I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm going to make sure I've been, uh, I've been taking the camera with me everywhere now, which I didn't do before. Prior to lockdown, I tended to take pictures when I was being paid for them and sometimes would take the camera out when I wasn't, but not all the time. Mm. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that, you know, we again it's this idea of uh, uh, photography being a job and when it just becomes a job then i think that that's where the passion disappears a little mm. bit although saying that people like martin parr say that they basically only take the camera when they're being paid to take pictures and that's fine as well yeah that surprised me from martin yeah but there's lots of people like that you yeah. know and, and well, i wasn't and expecting think, martin parr though no, but but maybe that's the sign of a good businessman yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh what one piece of finally what one piece of advice would you give to a younger kev at the start of his professional photographic career, don't know. I, you know, I, 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 buy, feel, I buy, buy more gear. <laughs> I feel like I did most things right, as yeah. in terms of followed my own instincts and you my did. own passions, yes. and, and ignored the audio and ignored yeah. the um uh, the industry and stuff. I mean, I suppose I would be. I tell you, probably what I would 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 say is think of the wider picture when it comes to marketing, yeah. and you know, don't just because you're good at perhaps I don't know. SEO or you're good at blog writing or something uh, you know there are other other things like yeah. uh, venue affiliations so I never did any venue affiliations at all I'm still not I've never been affiliated with a venue and still are not and actually that's probably something that I wish I'd, I'd done a little bit more mm. of in the early days mm. um, or the latter days or in fact now mm. <laughs> well, come on we... venues give me a call yeah. here I am I've got He's a shiny new website <laughs> I'm going to put you in the uh, answer to your questions pile over there, Jonathan. Right, to today's... We've still got the books to come, uh, or the book, rather, to come, and uh, also uh, your disaster story. We, did, we didn't go into... Oh, before we do the interview, should we, should we do some of the reviews? Yeah. We haven't done it for ages, so I, I nearly left that bit out. So uh, let's go back into club self-indulgence. Or is it just called club indulgence? What was it called, Kev? I don't know. I club, can't club indulgence. It's it been so long ago. It's been three months since we were in there and and, and having a gin and tonic. But uh, today we're allowed back. Well, we're not actually officially allowed back in our clubs and pubs, are we yet? No, nope. not just yet. Fourth of July, I think. Fourth of July, but only in the gardens. Right. Okay. Anyway, so uh, thank you very much for the um, for the wonderful um, words of encouragement that you've been sending in the in the in the reviews in the app, Apple Podcast reviews. Do you want to go first? I will. I have one from MWO2 Veg. (laughs) (laughs) He says, must listen. What a great listen. Please keep it up. Probably the best photography podcast in the world. Informative Uh, and entertaining. 
Um, awesomely awesome in every awesomely awesome way possible. You guys are just totally awesome. I think ST3VLEJ1991, that's catchy, is taking the mickey. I have one from Ol Mookie. O.L. Mookie. Uh, he says, so enjoyed being introduced to Leonard and his work. <laughs> oh, Leonard, yeah. Leonard, Leonard Neum- Neumann. Neumann, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did you think your name had changed? <laughs> Was that it? Yeah. Is that what he said? Yeah. All right, Rick. Uh, Rick SP9. The show sounds like a radio show with great audio. And even jingles. The host, Ke- Kevin and Neil, are good at what they do and sometimes funny. Um, sometimes their banter has too many inside anecdotes. Oh, Kev. So it's a warning shot across the bow that don't make sense unless you know them personally. Well, Rick, come on in, get to know us more. Lots of gear talk, very British centric, lots of useful stuff too when they don't digress too much. <laughs> the Daily Show during the COVID 19 period, that was a nice effort. Well, I'm glad you appreciated it. I tell you what, try doing a daily show seven days a week. <laughs> you end up talking about all sorts of stuff you weren't planning. Go on, Kev. <laughs> uh, this is from David1581. Neil and Kev are very knowledgeable and affable. I really love the way that they divert. <laughs> divert? <laughs> Don't put that in. Uh, great great show during the pandemic. Thanks very much, guys. Uh, um, this one, uh, can you get blocked because of nickname? Obviously, some nicknames can be so bad they get blocked. Maybe. He just said, extraordinary. It's difficult to stand out in a crowd. Some do. Five stars from somebody called Blocked <laughs> because of nickname. Thank you very much if you've sent in um, uh, a review. And you, and you should always remember... You're our favourite listener and we mean it. And we really do. Right. It is time for the interview. Helen Bartlett spoke to me recently about her work within the genre and the world of lifestyle portraits. She is the only family photographer to be part of the prestigious Canon Ambassador Programme, which encompasses just 82 photographers from Europe, the Middle East and Africa, all of whom have been selected as pioneering their chosen field. She works in in black and white and has established a client base that understands how and why she works that way. It's been a learning curve, as you're about to find out. Helen, 2003 it all started for you, but, but how and why? Okay, so I started started taking pictures when I was really young. Mm. My dad was a very, very keen photographer. So he was a neurosurgeon, but he had started taking pictures when he was a child and had, you know, built his first darkroom out of scraps he'd found on old, you know, heaps of junk after the war. <laughs> so he was really into it. And we had a darkroom at home. So I'm I've got three older brothers and generally Once you got to about nine or ten years old, you got given a camera, and we all had these little Zorkies, which I don't know if you've come across there. Yeah, I know of them, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. sort of Russian rangefinders, cheap knockoffs of Leicas. I mean, I think you can get them on eBay for about 20 quid. They're really sort of – but they're very, very basic, so they completely manual. You had, like, a little picture stuck on the back with stick man standing in the sun, stick man standing in the shade, and you sort of look at the weather, look at your little picture on the back, change things about, and – So we started taking pictures with those um, and printing black and white. Um, So Father Christmas would turn up with, you know, satsumas and skittles or whatever, but also with 24 rolls of black and white film, (laughs) two boxes of paper, which was awesome. Um, So we all went out and we did a lot of photography with my dad, a lot of printing. And we did colour printing as well, which is quite unusual, I think. Um, But that wasn't really for me, as you can tell, with the way my business has gone. And then my mum had a nursery school, which was run from the basement of our house. 
So term time mornings, there were 32 to four year olds. And as we got older, my brother did it first and he started taking the nursery photographs in the summer. So he sort of, you know, finished his A-levels and he then spent a few weeks in the nursery taking black and white, very natural pictures of the kids and then hand printing them and selling them to the parents. Wow, okay. And he's, I, there's 10 years between the oldest and me. And so William did it for a few years. And then when he sort of went off to university, I took over when I was probably late teens. And so summer holidays, I would go into the nursery, take loads of pictures, print them. Dad would help me pay for the, uh, the film and the yeah. paper and I would drink the profits. Um, so it was a very, very badly run business. But it was I kind of earned enough money to keep me in sort of beer over the summer and meant that I didn't have to get a proper job, which was great. <laughs> and I really, really loved it. So all the summers when I was at university, I would come back and I would do that. And I'd also help out in the nursery and help mum with, you know, the teaching and stuff. And then after university, I'd sort of had this idea that I was going to go into documentaries and documentary research, film making documentaries. And then I went and worked in a TV company. I did some work experience and I absolutely hated it. It was awful it was I mean it was like the ropiest of ropey tv companies to start with um but it was I just really didn't enjoy it and I realized that I also don't watch tv um I mean we'll now watch Netflix together and stuff but if Tom's away I won't switch the tv on at all um so tv was clearly not my thing and I just kind of always wanted to be a photographer but it felt like a pipe dream you know it's sort of I want to be a photographer I want to be a Hollywood actor and it didn't sort of seem possible but then my elder brother was sort of doing quite well and said you know I'll lend you a little bit of money help you set up and give it a go. When you started uh, your business um you you were on the real cusp of uh, film meets the digital era you'd already been doing printing so you knew how to print you knew what to do did did you start then professionally by shooting film? I started off when I decided I was going to be a photographer and my big brother said you know I'll help you out he also said you need to go and work for my friend for free for a bit who was a fashion photographer and um I went and sort of generally, well, the plan was to work and be taught by this fashion photographer, but actually he then had a baby and ended up just sort of going off to look after the baby. And I looked after the studio and cleaned the floors and washed the toilets. And it was a sort of higher studio. So that was that was great fun, but slightly didn't have quite the sort of the photography element of it. But he shot with a Hasselblad. And so I was going to buy a Hasselblad and I was, you know, I was ready. I was going to the shops. I'd worked out exactly what I was getting. And then I met Tom And he said, oh, no, you don't want to buy a Hasselblad because the future is digital. And he said, you should get a Canon 10D because I shoot with Canon and I've got some Canon lenses. And if you shoot with Canon, I can help you. And I thought, he's nice. I kind of want an excuse to call him. So I bought a 10D to, 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 you know, chat up the boy. Hang on a Um, moment. Your relationship then with Canon is, is, is all down to your relationship with the boy. So now Canon Ambassador married the boy. It's, it's all worked out very well. Um, but yeah, it was that was that was the reason. I mean, it could have gone in any other direction. So I was actually really lucky because otherwise I would have spent all my money on a Hasselblad and probably then wouldn't have made the jump to digital, probably would have gone out of business. It was, you know, a very lucky meeting at just the right time yeah, yeah. and to then sort of, yeah, as you say, jump onto digital just when it was becoming affordable. Wait, let's talk about this Canon thing. We'll, we'll come to the photography. That's the important bit. Well, let, let's. you mentioned the ambassador thing for Canon, which is high praise, of course, Helen, from such a, a camera giant. Do you, do you remember the day that that happened or, or was it, it must have been a longer process? It was a sort of longer process, um, but yes, I sort of, it was... 
it was a sort of thing that had been kind of mentioned mooted and I wasn't sort of sure and then and then the sort of cool came and I drank some champagne it was um, I mean it's it's an amazing amazing you know so privileged so lucky mm. to have the opportunity i think one of the most important things about representing such a big brand is, is a person's approachability and i remember i'm sure you won't but i remember meeting you at canon servicing center just yes. outside london yes, i remember that i was in i was trying to get my 50 mil 1.2 to lock focus i dropped it far too many times from um from, from uh i think the kitchen counter so it's my own fault and you turned up with a stack of cameras for sensor cleaning and service. And I remember, I remember we were chatting, and not once did you say who you were or what you did. And and I went away, and I think somebody said, "Oh, Helen, you know she's the ambassador." Um, <laughs> what what's your advice for photographers chasing that accolade? Because for many, that's that's all they seem to do. It's like having one big badge of honour to shout about. And it's just not that, is it? Yeah, I think I was given some great advice. So when I first sort of started out, one of the things I did with my dad was we went on photographic holidays. We went on landscape trips and they were run by Light and Land at the time. And then we sort of carried on going with them. David Ward and Joe Cornish, the landscape photographers, we've been going on trips with them now. I still go on trips with them and I very much consider them mentors. And I remember Joe said to me once, he said, you know, work on the photography and other things will follow. You know, I think he probably phrased it rather better than that. But, you know, don't chase don't chase an ambassadorship or or sort of personal prestige. Work on your photography. Take good pictures. Work really hard on that. And if you take good pictures, then other things will, by their nature, mm. come your way. But it makes sense to do it that way around, I think, because it is all about the pictures. It's got yeah. to be about yeah. the pictures. And also, if you don't love taking the pictures, that's kind of going to show <laughs> Yeah, of course. I'm never quite sure of a genre, though, finds you or you find a genre. I, mean, I know you, we've, you've really given us the reason why it ended up being children photography and, and infants, because that's how it started when you were working in that, um, working with, well, following your brother's footsteps and working in the, yeah. uh, in the holidays. But I think I sort of combined both my parents' loves. You oh, know, right. My mum was a nursery school teacher and my dad loved photography. So it's, it's a combination but also photographing kids is the best fun you can have with a camera it's so much more fun than everything else i'm not sure everybody would agree agree with you because it comes with so many complications as well i.e you're dealing with little things little ones that just don't want to always play ball that's what makes it fun <laughs> I, I love it. I mean, my husband always says I thrive on chaos. You know, and sort of somebody rings me up and goes, yeah, I've got five children and they're all a bit feral. And I'm just like, yes, <laughs> this is going to be awesome. We're going to have such a good time. Because that's that's what makes photographing kids so much fun. You have no idea what's going to happen. And, I mean, I do a lot of repeat work. So I've got a lot of families I've seen 10 times, 15 times. I mean, I've got families I've seen 50, 60 times over the last decade and a bit. Um, and it's never the same. You know, it's never the same. You can you can turn up and you can think you've got these wonderful ideas of what you're going to do. And all the kid wants to do is, you know, play with a bath plug next yeah. to the washing machine. And then you're like, OK, right, how do I get the ultimate bath plug next to the washing machine shot? But you haven't just um, shot uh, what you're shooting. You, you you did dabble in weddings but and, and other genres, but just found that they didn't float your boat. Yeah. <laughs> no they weren't for me I used to get um 
I'm I'm someone who gets very anxious about stuff. So I used to have terrible nightmares about weddings. I mean, terrible, terrible nightmares for months and months in advance. And uh, they just made me quite unpleasant to be around. Mm. And uh, so I used to shoot weddings with Tom. So when he when we first met, he was setting up a wedding photography business. Obviously, now he's sort of moved on and is doing like blue full time. Yeah. But so he was doing that and I was doing some portraits. And so we shot some weddings together. But it's sort of very clear very soon became clear that it really wasn't what I wanted to do. And also, once you get to a certain point, they happen on the same days. You know, weddings and portraits, Saturdays and Sundays are my prime shooting days. Mm. So you can't really do both, I don't think, at the sort of level and volume that I like to work at. I'm going I'm to be careful how I say It's going to be clumsy, <laughs> however I ask this question. But it's something we have talked about on the show, and probably because myself and Kev are... Uh, as we describe ourselves, sort of um, bearded oiks, uh, older blokes. Is it a job that's probably better suited to somebody like yourself, who, frankly, Helen, I've never seen age, and I'm, I'm, I think that you're like... <laughs> Petra Pan. The, the picture in the attic is terrible. <laughs> terrible. But no, seriously, I mean, it keeps you youthful and all those sort of cliches that go with it. Are there many men doing this as successfully as you? Is my clumsy way of asking this question. I don't know purely because you never, I think the whole thing with photography is you never know who's doing things successfully. It's, you know, it's all smoke and mirrors and, um, and social media presence that you never know. So I don't know in the answer to other people do i don't see any reason why you shouldn't it's just about a as you say a playful personality loving it having fun there are more women doing it than men but i don't think there's any reason why men shouldn't do it um it's just having fun with kids in the park or or in their homes so i wonder if it comes down to some men feeling uncomfortable about it in all honesty i just think it's less glamorous to be honest, mm-hmm. think I think so? it's it's a bit harder to say to your mates down the pub. Oh, you know, I'm a I'm a kids photographer. I like photographing babies. It just sort of it's not so macho. I think that's probably mm-hmm. more like it that people mm-hmm. just don't try it because it doesn't seem cool, and then leaving more for the rest for the rest yeah, of us yeah, who yeah, realise well, how fun it is. I mean, it. it's it's weird, isn't it? Because photography sort of you know the really cool people do like documentary and fashion and then it sort of you know goes down and kind of I often think you know babies are often seen as being kind of the least cool thing to photograph whereas in actual fact they're the best Mm. Um, but I think there is a sort of there's almost a hierarchy when people are starting out what they think is cool and then people just find their niches of what they enjoy I mean I think that there are some very good male photographers photographing kids why, why choose natural environmental portraiture as opposed to studio stuff um, which in I suppose 2003 and a little beyond when you started was was pretty fashionable the the studio stuff wasn't it? certainly in yeah. this country everybody every, every house I went in seemed to have a venture experience around at that time venture was the key when I started out I mean it was mainly because of the pictures we did with dad so when we were growing up dad took a lot of pictures of us all black and white all natural environment at home playing and when I was a teenager and everyone's you know bringing their first boyfriends home the pictures of me on the wall look really really cool and the pictures my friends had on the wall look really really awful Mm. and I was like okay there's there's something there's something in this you know these these pictures look great when I was three years old they look great when I was 15 they now look great when I'm 40 they sit alongside the pictures of 
my nieces and nephews. They sit alongside the pictures of my parents when they were little. And everything kind of sits very, very comfortably together. And so I wanted to produce pictures for the kids that I was photographing that had that longevity. And for me, natural black and white um, pictures are the best way to do that. And obviously it's personal taste and everyone has their own sort of views on this and, and there's no right or wrong. But for me, it was all about sort of creating something timeless and creating something that the kids would like when they were older. Now, the the black and white thing, of course, well, it, it's synonymous with you and your your pictures, and they're gorgeous, and you make you make amazing uh, black and white uh, photographs. You know that. We know that. Um, do you get kickback at all from parents that, that say, well, Helen, I like it, but mm, it will be so much better in colour? Um, I mean, I lose a lot of uh, clients at the inquiry stage. Um, I would probably say half of the people that inquire with me, we talk about black and white and colour and they say, you know what, we really want colour. And I send them to a bunch of other photographers that I refer to because I want people that buy into what I'm doing. I I feel so strongly about it that I don't, I, I just, colour pictures, colour pictures just leave me, my colour pictures of kids would leave me cold. I mean, I, I can totally appreciate other people creating extraordinary, beautiful colour work. But for me as a photographer, creatively, it just, it just holds nothing for me. Mm. So I would much rather, if someone's keen on colour, that they went to someone that specialises in that and that can do a really good job. Because I do think it's a different way of seeing. If you're a really good colour photographer, you're going to be looking at, you know, how colours relate to each other and all that kind of stuff within a frame, which I don't see. I'm I'm looking at tones. So I'm I just see in a completely different way so i kind of want the people that think you know black and white is awesome i want to go to the best person for black and white which i hope they then would choose to come to me um so it's yeah it's finding the right the right client for it and because my clients are long-term clients i mean my entire business is based around this idea of repeat shoots obviously i'm involving my photography but i work with a consistency of style because if they've got an album from their first shoot back in 2004 and we've done an annual shoot and it's now 2020 all those pictures have to sit together and i suppose there's a a great advantage as well to to being able to say to um a client that is not your fit i'm so sorry I don't think I'm I'm the one for you. It's it makes life so much easier if you just once once you see those red flags, you know, and and people have such differing tastes. Um, you know, and you can see it at the moment when everyone's sort of seeing inside people's homes so much. You know, people have such different ways of viewing the world and decorating things. But you know, if somebody comes to me and says, "Do you do those lovely newborn shots with giant vintage teacups?" I can say very quickly, "No, that's we're we're on the wrong. You know, yeah. you you come to the wrong person." But you know, person A or person B would probably be able to help you with that. And it's it's much better. Otherwise, it's a waste of everyone's time. How's it going to work in with social distancing? I, I, this is a bit of a how long's a piece of string question because <laughs> what do you know, what do I know? But but um, you must have thought about this. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'll probably get hold of a zoom lens. I don't really like zooms. I like, a, you know, 85 is my longest lens I usually work with. I'll probably get my hands on a 70 to 200 this year but I don't know I my feeling at the moment is I'm going to wait until we're all allowed to mix and then I'm going to give it a few weeks so I make sure I'm completely safe 
I, I don't really think there's any way to plan at this stage because yeah. it's just so unknown. There, there, there's the question about treats that came up a, a few weeks ago. And you're on one of those shoots and you hear this kind of mantra of, come on, if you do this for Helen, then we'll go to McDonald's afterwards, come on. How do you find yourself <laughs> managing not so much the children, but the adults? Because their expectations are that little Freddie has to be a performing seal for the duration. They're pretty good, Jeremy. I mean, I definitely find, you know, the second, third, 15th shoot is obviously a bit easier than the first shoot because the first shoot everyone's finding their feet um and different people parent in different ways um and certainly after you know shooting families for 17 years nobody does it the same way and people often don't do it the same way two days in a row generally i sort of say to the parents if you're having fun the kids will be having fun try not to bribe them because obviously if you bribe on the first shoot the kids will learn and then the second sheet they'll want something bigger and the third sheet they'll want something bigger because they're clever you know kids are kids are incredibly clever they know exactly how to work their parents mm. uh, which is hilarious to watch i mean we tend to i do long shoots so i arrive usually at my clients homes at about eight in the morning i then make sure everyone's had breakfast um, including the parents, because low blood sugar is one of the quickest ways to mm. derail everything. So, you know, when I say to the parents, have you had breakfast? They say, oh, no, no, we don't normally eat breakfast. So just for me today, have a cup, have, have a slice of toast, because otherwise when your two-year-old doesn't do what you want, you'll find yourself getting stressed yeah. and actually they're being fine. You just needed to have some breakfast. So I make sure everyone's got some food in to start with, and that does make a big difference. And then we sort of go on the shoot, and usually by mid-morning we will need to have a snack. But... You know, I, uh, the odd smarty here and there is not going to kill anyone, especially if I get one too. Um, <laughs> how, I mean, these these are long shoots, as you say. They're pra- practically down the life, aren't they? How, how many um, photographs are you typically showing uh, a client afterwards? Another uh, how long is a piece of string question, I'm thinking. Usually usually somewhere around the 70 pictures mark, um, okay. usually less than 100, usually more than 50. It depends. Obviously, if you've got a family with five kids, it's going to be slightly more than if you've just got one. Um, but I find more than about 100, it doesn't actually help anyone. It becomes repetitive and it's slightly chaotic and you kind of can't often see the woods for the trees and people are coming to me for good shots not nonsense and so what I like to do is I like to take a lot and then I like to edit right down um to you know because 70 to 100 really good very different mm. shots that's a lot to it choose. is it is yeah um I'm, that stills i'm fascinated to see that at last helen you've you've turned on that red button on the the back of your camera for video now you you are with a brand that that are well known as being the brands that really brought DSLRs to everybody's attention in terms of video shooting and the, the, the amazing ability to take that out and, and make and actually use it in feature films as well from the very early days. Now you took a long time to press that video button on on the back and um and now and now you have. Mm. So video is a bit of a strange one for me. I'm not really a moving pictures kind of girl um i do you know i really like to go to the cinema i like to watch a really good netflix thing but as i said earlier i don't tend to switch the tv on um it's not it's not my sort of my way of relaxing um so what three weeks ago three or four weeks ago um canon got in touch and said they were setting up the canon connected hub which is their new youtube hub to sort of share inspirational videos and they said can you make one so i said yes 
And then obviously realized I had to learn how to make a video. And not only did I not press the red button on the back of the camera, but I pre-programmed it to do something completely different. I know they're so, all, all set to, to stills functions, weren't they, on your camera? Exactly. Yeah. So I had to ring, I had to ring up my one of my colleagues at Canon and say, like, I, I mean, I have no idea what I'm doing. You've got to kind of help talk me through this. And and so yeah, so we then made a little uh, sort of tutorial video that's on their on their YouTube site. And um yeah, and it's it was it was fun to do. I'm trying to do a little bit more just to sort of as I say, it's a good time to learn a new skill and practice and, and it's an, a nice way to show the kind of things that I'm doing and ways that I work to a wider audience, which is all good and sort of help other people kind of learn and you know, you get these lovely bits of feedback from people going, Oh, you know, I've been trying to photograph my kids at home for ages and and here's a picture I took after I watched your video and I mean I'm sure you and Kevin must know this a lot and that's really you know that's that's really heartwarming so I'm having a bit more of a go at that I don't I can't see myself ever moving into videoing kids that kind of sort of actually commercially using video to video other people I mean that doesn't it's just not where my interest lies that has been quite fun to sort of yeah try try videoing myself we've been asking a few photographers of late whether photography is is something that they just do when they turn a coin or whether it's their hobby as well i mean are you able to when you go out put the camera on the kitchen counter and say i'll just leave you there for the day i do tend to have a camera with me most of the time um and yeah our our sort of favorite holidays to go on are to go on landscape trips with with yeah, David Warden, Joe Cornish and right. Tom and my brother and pack the car full of tripods and filters and go and stomp up hills and take landscape shots. Um, yeah, it's it's very much it's it's where I find peace, I think. But yeah, it's 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 fun. It's it's what I like to do. It definitely I would consider it to be a, a hobby as much as a job. Um, which is got incredibly lucky. I mean, you don't get that very often. You don't you don't often think I, mean, I miss my job so much at the moment and uh, I guess in many ways that just shows how lucky we are in what we do to have something that we, we love so much. Our thanks to Helen Bartlett for her time in uh, being a guest on the, the show this week and of course don't forget uh, on the shiny new website as we keep calling it you can see all the links to uh, our guests work including Helen uh, if you go to fujicast.co.uk Right, back to the questions. Hello, Neil. Hello, Kevin. This one's from uh, Hannah O'Brien in Exeter, um, in Devon. Love Devon. I wanted to say a massive thank you for creating uh, your fantastic podcast. With being bedbound for the past year, finding a new podcast, especially photography-based, that's both informative and interesting, can be rare. So I thankfully stumbled ac- across the uh, the Fujicast a month ago. I'm switching from Fuji or to Fuji rather from Canon. Uh, for my birthday uh, in early August, so uh, not long to go, not many sleeps, I'm being gifted um, the X-Pro2. And thanks to your advice, Kev, I'll be pairing that up with uh, the 50mm f2 as my first Fuji lens. My question is, what projects or photography work could I pursue despite being bedbound with my new Fuji gear? This can be a tricky one, actually, Kev. I'm, I'm very keen to create some portraits of family alongside botanical photography. If there's anything else... That you reckon will be good to uh, good work to delve into. I'm very keen to hear your thoughts, Hannah O'Brien. Hannah, I think is able to. When we say bedbound, though, um, I believe Hannah, you're you're able to get out and do uh, do some shots like your botanical work, but just not able to get too far. Am I reading into that correctly? Do you think, Kev? Possibly. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I spoke to Hannah on Instagram actually. You did. Um, 
Yeah, and the ideas that I kind of said to her were beyond things like the portraits and botan- bot- botan- botanical, botanical pictures of flowers. <laughs> they um, were things like, you know, it depends on what's going on in the room in the day and all yeah. that kind of stuff. I would imagine it's quite a challenge. Um, but things like, you know, studying the way that light changes throughout the day, different oh, times of the day. Yeah. Um, you know, you probably observe in different quarters, maybe concentrate on like one half of the room and then the other half of the room oh, another day and stuff. Yeah. And, you know, just learn to see see stuff that's going on that you would otherwise ignore. Um, but of course, it does depend on what's in the room, who's in the yeah, room, yeah. what the light is like, various things like that. Still, still life would be still would, would be fantastic, wouldn't it, for for this particular application? I think. Yeah, and you know, could you could easily document yourself as well? Uh, and I don't mean just like a series of selfies, but you know, w- what are you holding? What are you watching? If you're watching things on tablets, on TVs, uh, you know, the, the, the state of the uh, state is probably not the right word, but the the, the condition of the bedclothes throughout the day, that kind of stuff, you know, just just a documentation of things. But yeah, it's 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 a real challenge, and uh, you know, I hope things get better for you, Hannah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, that fifty mil lens will be ace, though, nice and light. Fifty mil, which is seventy-seven, isn't it? I think seventy-seven mil, something like that. In, 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 in yeah. old-fashioned old language, I know. Yeah. Which Some, you something like that. Yeah. Um, right, book this week. Yeah, so this is what yes, this is one I gifted you. It is. Yeah, yeah. It's very difficult to buy you a book because I don't. <laughs> you've got so many. I don't know what ones you've got, and uh, I I kind of have to make an educated guess at thinking Kev won't have this one. This one I was a little bit worried about because it was called Street Play, and I was thinking, oh god, he's going to have this. Yeah, so I'm just looking at the little dedication. I'm not going to read it out, but, but the, I, yeah, the nice I took, dedication I, that yeah, you I sent me. Yeah, I took a risk. I wrote in it. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. totally it devalued the book. <laughs> yeah. I'm so sorry. But it was 2016, because you yeah. put the date on it. Wow. Um, and the book is uh, Street Play by Martha Cooper, and it's one of my favourite books, not because, not just because you gave it to me, but it's, uh, it's a really nice... I, I think it's what I would class as a simple book. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's not overly complicated. Some of the the um, images and the the layout of the the prints are some of them are small, some of them are big. Um, but what I would class as the impact ones don't spread across the uh, the crease in the center or anything like that. It's all black and white. Um, and essentially, Martha Cooper was a, um, a photographer for the New York Post, and so all of these pictures are essentially. I would say the poorer neighbourhoods of New York. Right. Um, you've got typical things like kids playing on uh, demolition sites, and it is a study of of young people's lives in those deprived areas. Yeah. Um, very candid. Very, uh, you, you know, you're not going to be looking at these these pictures and and thinking, oh, the the light is beautiful. It's all about the people. It's all mm. about the the youngsters in it. Um, there's a picture here on page seventy eight, seventy nine. Uh, little lads selling um, what looks like the empty t- empty tins. So he's he's basically collected bottles and tins so people can take them back to the to the shops to get their. Oh, so he's like a middleman. He's a middleman. <laughs> they they can take the bottles and tins back to the shops to get ten cents, and he's yeah. probably selling that on for five cents because there there there's oh. a lot of alcoholic tins, so he wouldn't be able to get those. Oh, I see. Get those back. I wonder when that picture was taken. He'll be today's entrepreneur with with that. Probably, kind of yeah. He looks a little bit like Jeff Bezos. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Bezos in early days. Yeah. Do you remember taking stuff back to the? Did you ever do that? Collecting cans and bottles and taking them back to the. The new, I don't think they do that anymore, do they? Well, we used to have a. Um, uh, there was there. We used to have a lot. A pop van would 
come to our street. Corona. It was oh, called Corona. A pop van. Believe it or not, the, right. the big pop. No, um, the van was called Corona. The, the company in South Wales was called Corona. People oh. from South Wales will remember this. The yeah. Corona van would come. And, uh, God, the connotation of that now. You'd have... Uh, the Corona van's coming! You'd have one litre bottles and of things like dandelion and burdock, right. lemonade, right. cola flavour, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And uh, they would sometimes, they would take the bottles off you and, and kind of you, you, it was like having milk delivery you know you'd subscribe on a month yeah. um, but but what they used to do is take them they'd store them behind the fire station down on Marpus Road right. <laughs> and um, occasionally people I know hang on a minute <laughs> people I know people I know would um, would go around the back of the fire station right. and um, and be entrepreneurial <laughs> yeah let's just leave it at that <laughs> What do you mean would be entrepreneurial? Well, you know, we might, um, uh, we, uh, they would um, <laughs> maybe, maybe uh, take a, uh, some, uh, you know, help in the environment and all that kind of stuff yeah, and yeah, take yeah. them to a shop and, uh, yeah, re- let's just say recycle them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, now I see what you meant. Oh, yeah. right. So Mar- Martha Cooper. Martha Cooper Street, street play. play. Is that a square format? Book? It is a square book. Mm. Yeah, although the images aren't as such. But yeah, obviously it's all it's all about kids and stuff. The youngsters in New York in those those kind of... Is there text alongside some of the pictures to help with the context? Or, or no, you, there's no. not. There is... Uh, it's kind of broken down into sections. So there's, there's introductory text to a certain area, if you like. Um, but not much of it. Um, some of the some of the images have got little bits of information, but but not much. It's really just a visual essay of the people, and it's beautiful. Right. You know, because I I can always I always look at these these pictures, and I just just like you just said about that little boy, what are they doing now? Yeah, what are they doing now? That's the beauty of it, isn't it? That's why I love that that my you know my absolute favorite book, which is. Um, Once Upon a Time in Wales, where he he went back and found them all, found the people, oh, the ones that were still yeah, alive. Yeah. Um, and that's what makes that book beautiful. But yeah, Street Play by Martha Cooper. Martha Cooper. And if you want, uh, you can send it to me. I'll scroll in the front and devalue it for you. Yep. <laughs> and we will link to it, of course. And uh, I haven't looked it up, actually. I don't know. I, I, I forgot to... It was easy when we were doing the dailies because I was just sat in front of my computer as yeah. we were discussing and, it. And, and, well, you've got a computer here, but unfortunately your mouse has not got any power in it because it hasn't been used for three months. Yeah, <laughs> I think, you've, I think you've, you've just told me that to stop me, stop me touching it. No, no, you can move the mouse. <laughs> See if there's a, a cursor. Does it move? No, completely no. dead. Sorry about that. <laughs> the Corona van, though. Oh, Corona my pop. word. Corona pop. If only you'd have known at the time. Um, right, let's have um, let's have one more one more question. Um, in fact, I've got something here, and then you can have a question, and we'll do the disaster story. Um, hi, Kev. Hi, Neil. I was wondering if you've seen this website. It's, um, it's fujixweekly dot com forward slash recipes. Mm-hmm. It's run by a guy called. Do you know Rich? Is it Richie Roesch? Uh, I don't know him personally, but I know the website. He specialises in creating film simulation recipes for FujiX cameras to replicate old film stocks. He has dozens available and spends a lot of time trying to get them right. Does he sell them? I, I didn't. No, no, no. So they're all JPEG. My, he's got my recipes on there as well, which, oh, right. which is fine. It's not. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a. So what he does is he sets up JPEG set. Ah, so you can just dial them into your camera. Um, oh, so it's like a cookbook for uh, if you want to try something different. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Re- hence recipe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm I'm slowly working my way through them, says Helen, and um, trying them out and seeing which which suits different situations. I find people can be quite sniffy about shooting JPEG, but for me, it's one of the many joys of shooting the Fuji cameras. Sending best wishes from Hampshire, Helen. Do um, you know, Helen, you're absolutely right. Yes, people can be quite sniffy, can't they, about shooting JPEG. I'm, I'm shooting more JPEG again, actually. 
honestly it's uh, it, it's not even something that comes into my no. thought process anymore if people want to be sniffy they can go and sniff somewhere else yeah, yeah absolutely okay can you hear that i think that's the next door neighbor look and he just uh, he's got his digger out he's got his digger out for three months it's been a silent place you know Kev. <laughs> <laughs> and suddenly everything happens yeah. at the weekend by the way um uh, you know where the studio was looking back at the house and um sam sam came um running out of the house and I, I thought what is that noise i mean it's, it was reasonably soundproof in here but i heard this it's really deep sort of throaty engine noise and uh, suddenly uh, from over there just across there's a house behind us isn't there this helicopter rose it must have parked just in front of that house rose up out of nowhere and backed until it was i'm telling you only what 30 feet above this studio wow I've never heard. Was it an air ambulance? It was something? an air ambulance, yeah. Oh, right. And we were all looking up at it. And then I, I thought, God, yeah, from all my experience of having flown, this yeah. is the most dangerous place to be standing underneath a helicopter right now. Yeah. The wash was coming down. We all ran back in the house. Wow. And unfortunately, it made a, a successful what's called towering takeoff and went on its way again. We've got near us, we've got Campbell Airfield. And, yes, and have, they yeah. have, um, it's the graveyard of the jumbo jet there. So oh, there's, is, a, there's yeah. a recycling company based there. He made a fortune for that, didn't oh, he? Oh, he did, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, An absolute fortune. I mean, when do you one, one day wake up and think, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to recycle 747 jets. Yeah, because Kem- <laughs> Kemble is one of only three airports outside of the main airports. Yeah. That can land jumbo jets, and wasn't it? Wasn't it also an emergency runway for the space shuttle if they needed it? Or have, have I got that wrong? Don't know. I've not heard that. But it was the home of the um, Red Arrows for a long time, and it's right. it, it was used as uh, you know, it's it's a secure airport, secure like a safety landing airport or something. Yeah. Anyway, it's um, a- engine in trouble. There's there's place. yeah exactly. Yeah. There's lots of uh, airplanes going to their <laughs> final destination at the moment because they're oh, they're, no. they're offloading them. So we've had three come in, um, and it's really interesting. What I was reading about it on the internet, what so, the, what they do is they. So the last one that came in was an Air Iceland seven four seven, and they fly over Malmesbury really low. So you know it's yeah. it's like really low. No, it's almost like it's going on its way though. Yeah, and then he goes oh. he goes. What they typically do is the pilots will do two loops right. of Malmesbury, yeah, um, and Crudwell and the surrounding areas, and then take it into Kemble, yeah. and that's it. And then and then the first thing they do is they they take off one of the engines so it can't be stolen. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean like a joyride is going to yeah, turn? Yeah, yeah. Well, I know what we'll do, Wayne. <laughs> Let's go over Kemble and nick a seven four seven. And, and then, then they take they, an engine off. And then they start cutting them <laughs> cutting them apart. Oh, that's sad almost, isn't they, it? They once found uh, half a million pounds worth of cocaine in the back of a pilot's seat. <laughs> what? Yeah. God. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a fascinating air. It, it is, is a fascinating airfield. I've just thought, by the way, no, I've got it wrong with where the space shuttle um, can land. I'm confusing it with the Gambia. There's, oh, there's, of course. <laughs> at uh, Kemble and the Gambia, but it's very close. Now, there's this enormous long runway, which uh, was, uh, was the only place in Africa where... If uh, due to weather and and sort of di- different plans, if it had to land in a different continent, it had found a place where it could land. Huge long yeah. runway. Easy to mistake the Gambia and yeah. Kemble. Yeah, I, I thought so. <laughs> okay. Right, last question of the show. Go on. All right, Jonathan Kerr says, uh, "What's in a name?" A question mark. Since starting wedding photography eighteen months ago with a business partner, I stroke we decided to go with a brand, which is 
Wonder and Time. I like that. Yeah. As opposed to using a personal name for our business. Curious what you guys think of this decision. Is it better to be on brand mm-hmm. or to have a more intimate personal approach to a na- to naming a wedding photography yeah. business? Uh, we did touch on this a couple of weeks yeah, ago, didn't we? We, we had did. something about this. Yeah. And uh, I like Wonder and Time. I think when there's two of you, it makes much more sense to have a branded type name. Yeah. Um, and also it does depend a little bit on your on your names. Uh, so it's wonder as in uh, wonder or wonder? Wonder. Wonder. So as, as, as in a in fish won- called. As in wandering in time. Yeah. A time spelled T-I-M-E or? T-H-Y-M-E. Oh, like the herb. Yeah. Right. Wonder in time. Yeah. I don't know whether wonder is, nice. is another herb, perhaps. don't know. Yeah. But uh, anyway, it's a, it could just be a play on words. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's a nice name, isn't it? It's a very, it's a, it's it's a quite, really quite, nice name. chintzy. You see some ridiculous names. What, like? Well, I'm not going to say them, but some of them are really ridiculous. <laughs> I thought I could draw you into that. No. Um, Almost got you. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it always reminds me of when the, the dot-com bubble came along and all yeah. these web design agencies come up, and it was like, they you know, they'd call themselves like, Blue Flamingo. Oh, no, or, sorry, Kev, I had one. I what, had, I had Blue a, Flamingo? No, I had a company that was that made audio production. We called it Red Frog. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Red Frog. Or, why? Well, Red there, Frog. There was a period where everybody was calling an animal a different colour, wasn't Yeah, there? that was it. That's what it was all about. <laughs> Blue Tomato. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> well, they're probably all very far more successful than me anyway, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> well, Red Frog didn't go anywhere. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, th- I think that's fine. You know, I mean, you can't. There's no right or wrong to that, is mm. there? You, you you do what you need to do. I suppose, as we mentioned last time, um, Jerry Cohonis used to say that he, you know he would never name his business Jerry Cohonis Photography because no. when he wanted to sell it, it was tied to his name, and uh, so his was called. Oh, Jerry Garnis was. Oh, I've got all his playing cards actually. Probably in the in the. Yeah, it was. I can see the logo, but I can't remember uh, the name though. Let, let me look it up while you're while you're chantering away. Go on. Um, whether he sold his business or not in the end, I don't know. But uh, you know, he he had a very valid point. But I do believe that that's very specific to you being very, 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 very successful. Yeah. Um, oh, he's changed it now. He's gone back. Do you know he's gone back to gone back his to own name? Jerry Garnis. Well, Do, maybe he sold it. Maybe then. he sold the company. Maybe he sold the brand. Yeah. I can't, so, I can't find go. it. I can't find the old company's name anywhere. Yeah. So maybe he sold the, sold the brand. You're absolutely you right, go. though. Yeah. So in that case, that, that kind of works. That makes sense, doesn't it? And I suppose if, if, you, if, if that's what he did, of course. If you're thinking of building a studio with other photographers and all that kind of stuff, then yeah, absolutely makes sense. Mm. But uh, honestly, I don't, I, don't, I don't specifically think that people look at their name itself and think, well, oh, that sounds nice. You know, I think the problem look pro- at the pictures. I mean, e- even with a company that's called a different name, um, I, I'm assuming that the, the person buying it would would want to see an order sheet full of stuff that really doesn't matter of of the photographer that go yeah. that what was originally part of the company goes to it or not, and that's going to be the really difficult part because because people do form relationships regardless of what the company's called with those that mm-hmm. the, that are the main players within it. Mm-hmm. And, and that could be an issue, couldn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Honestly, so at the end of the day, I don't, I don't really don't think it matters. But as long as you, if you do go for a brand name, go for a nice one. Yeah. And Wandering Time is a very yeah, nice it's one. Yeah, a very nice one. That's a- absolutely true. Um, right, let's. So we've got time for a photo disaster. I think. This one comes from Alison Edwards. Hello, Kevin. Hello, Neil. 
A couple of years ago, I was booked to photograph a family session for two adults and one child. Whilst waiting for them to park, they texted me to say they were running about five to ten minutes late. We're just parking on the park and ride. About five to ten minutes later, a couple came running up to me. Are you the photographer, they asked. I said, yes. And they apologised for being late, explaining they'd just caught the bus in the park and ride. No problem. Is this everyone, I asked, wondering where the child was. They only seemed to have a dog with them. No, it's just us and our dog, they said. We started to walk through the park. Trying to word it carefully, I said, for some reason I thought you had a child. Not yet. We're going to get married first, we thought. Oh, you're getting married. When, I asked. June. That's why we thought we'd have an engagement shoot. In my head, I thought engagement shoot. But I asked, where are you getting married then? They told me the venue and said, we wanted some photos with our dog, just in case he doesn't come to the wedding. (laughs) You can hear this happening, can't you? I continue to make chit-chat about their wedding and their dog whilst thinking about what's going on, and they've created a fantasy child. I started to take photos of the couple with their dog, still wondering how a dog and child have got mixed up in our messages and conversations. Give myself a bit of thinking time because I wasn't quite zoned into the session. I took them to a different location in the park. I was just starting to take their photo when a man came over to me. Are you Alison? Yes, I said. You're photographing an engagement session and your clients are waiting for you at the entrance. Lesson learned. Always ask people their name when you meet them and remember you're not everybody's photographer. <laughs> Good news is that my clients got in touch with me again asked me to photograph their wedding, which I, I did last November with no mix-up from Alison. <laughs> I mean, not, not a complete disaster, but, but I suppose it could have been. If you'd like to send yours in, please click at fujicast.co.uk. That's it for the first week where Kev is back in the studio. Has it felt right? Has it felt a bit odd to start with? Not really. I, it's been nice, actually. It's been nice to, to stretch my legs. the longest I've driven my car in a very long time, that's <laughs> yeah. for sure. Uh, I kind of pulled out of, the, of Malmesbury on the wrong side of the road oh and God. turned the windscreen wipers on and the hazard <laughs> lights went on and the, the, the seat reclined into the boot. And I wonder if um, <laughs> for a while... Um, you know, traffic cops who were watching people driving were thinking he's not driven for quite a while. <laughs> Look at that wild swerve as that person tries to yeah. reverse their space into a car parking <laughs> car parking area. Well, it's been nice to have you back, I think, Kev. Yeah, it's been fun. Thank you very much for being here. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, of course, if we all get locked down again, who knows? Oh. <laughs> Going back to those days. Oh, I'm not again. even going to talk about it. <laughs> anyway, if you've liked this or any of the week's shows, um, thank you. And if you can, you feel it's relevant, we'd love you to leave a review. Some apps have it, some apps don't. Uh, but uh, it does make a difference um, because we do really read every single one. If you can share the episode on Twitter or a Facebook group, thank you very much. Send your questions and your disaster stories and anything of interest to click at fujicast.co.uk. Music is from Blue Wednesday. We're supporting music from the incredible artlist.io. At this point, Kev, we always used to have um, Lady B would uh, would read off an address for us, but she doesn't need to do that anymore because no. now we have our fancy new, um, shiny, brand new, you worked for weeks on it website, fujicast.co.uk. You just need to go there. Yeah. And you'll see everything you want. So have we furloughed Lady B then? Is she... 
Well, she wasn't really old enough to be taking a pay package oh. anyway. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> I remember once though she did say, Am I getting paid for this? Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, thank you. We'll see you next week. Bye bye, Kev. Bye bye. The Fujicast is an independent loading zone production. Email the show with your questions and words of wisdom to click at fujicast.co.uk. Email any complaints and political nonsense to our wives who will deal with your comments in their own good time and in their own good way.